You are listening to Stuart Pink. Stuart Pink. Stuart Pink. Stuart Pink. Often Stuart Pink. On the Strictly Speaking podcast. Hello and welcome to another installment of the Strictly Speaking podcast, the podcast that's less book and more talk. Joining me in this episode, she's a master of coffee and of music, a plate spinner and a lyrical winner. It's Charlotte Carpenter. Hello. Hello. Hiya. That was a great introduction. Wow. Thank you. A plate spinner and a lyrical winner. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take it. I felt, yeah, that's it. You get poetic introductions and everything over here. Um, available like for intros anytime, you know, you <laughs> on the album. Um, <laughs> I do. <laughs> no, yeah, thank you so much for having me, Stuart. This is great. Happy to be here. You might get an appearance from my cat now and again. Oh, whenever, whenever I sit on this chair, she always wants to be on me. So, yeah, she might be here in a minute. <laughs> Excellent. We've had a dog so far. We haven't had a cat yet. So, um, okay. looking forward to that. Yeah. What's the cat's name? Uh, so, this is Olive. Olive. Hello. This is Lovely. Olive, and I also have Juniper, but she is, I don't know where she is, but what, Olive what? is coming, here she comes, yeah. Hey, hello, I could just see Oz's tail, yeah. yeah, beautiful, uh, so Juniper's yeah. got more pressing issues and things going on. She, she is, yeah. Had somewhere to be, you know, busy, she, she did. busy chick. She didn't, she didn't get the calendar, <laughs> she didn't get the memo. <laughs> might, be, might be a long layer. Yeah. Uh, it's lovely to see you, how you been? Yeah, I've been really good. I've been good. I've been um, a mixture of busy and kind of trying to carve out a little bit of human downtime at the same time, which I feel like is the never ending balance, really. Yes. Yeah. Difficult to juggle both, um, spin both plates, as you might say. Um, yeah. We'll get into <laughs> music very soon. Uh, but it's been literally ages. Loads has happened since the last time I saw you um yeah couple of pandemics um the world war i've had a beard and i've shaved it off again um Mm -hmm. all those are major world events obviously uh but none as wonderful as you and carolina what you did last month congratulations thank you very much thank you we had a uh a gorgeous wedding in portugal um which was just it was great it was such a beautiful day and you know we were when when we got engaged it was never the plan to get married this quickly because I think I think we were engaged in 2020 I think um what could be 2019 no I think it was 2020 it was still pandemic-ish um and yeah we were just realized in the pandemic that you know you're not too bad together yeah you could stand yourself for a lockdown yeah (laughs) yeah we did we had the best time together we really really did you know we had that first time of having no distractions no nothing we just had every single day there was like a little plan that we made together where it was clean the fridge or I don't know (laughs) make a cocktail whatever it was we had a great time together and I think um there was like a big turning point for us um I think it was maybe at the end of 2020 or at the end of 2021 there was I was meant to go over to Portugal for Christmas for the first time and um she flew a couple of days before me but in between that gap they'd closed all the borders oh no Um, and it was kind of that sudden realization of no we don't want we don't want anyone to have the power over like our love and our relationship and I think that became a massive catalyst for us to be like we want to be married because before that point 
but when we first met neither one of us was actually um that that bothered about marriage yeah but then the sooner the, the deeper we went into the relationship we were like no we totally want to marry each other Oh, um, lovely. So, yeah, that's a little little exclusive there. I don't think I've, any, I've told anybody that story. Oh, <laughs> nice. I just got images of you, one being stuck in Portugal. It's basically, the love actually uh, thing, isn't it, really? Was there like. It, yeah, yes, yes, it was. Who was, who was Colin Firth? You or Carolina? Um, I was Colin. <laughs> You were coming. <laughs> I'm calling. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, congratulations. It's lovely. Um, Thank you. Thank you. The wedding. I want to know this from a musician. Um, did you have a wedding band? And what was that like? You were like. Uh, I did not have a wedding band. Oh, okay. So I uh, I do have a wedding band. I've been to amazing weddings with great bands, but I couldn't be bothered, if I'm honest. <laughs> I, you know, when you when your life is surrounded with with music and amazing musicians, it comes to your wedding day, and you kind of just want it to feel like the ultimate holiday. Yeah, yeah, that's like, so, um, holiday, really, isn't it? When it's... Yeah. So <laughs> instead, we had a DJ, but we found a DJ that would play from vinyl as well. So that was really cool. Oh, nice. Um, and that felt like a really cool thing. And then it was really weird. I remember coming out of the ceremony, and he was. You know, he was doing his thing. Then I just walked past this saxophone player, and I said to Carolina, "We didn't pay. We didn't play pay for a saxophone player." And we just kind of looked at each other and was like, "Who the organised the saxophone player?" <laughs> and we still don't know. We don't know if that was a part of the package or anything. But I yeah. can't remember. Like we went through those contracts of tooth and nail. Like we were very, very thorough. Never at any point was there a sax. But hey, that was nice. That's the Portuguese thing, you know, free saxophone player everywhere. Maybe, who knows? Just turns up. Yeah. Did they get a spot on the album, or was maybe it was like an audition you didn't know about? Maybe, maybe. No, there's. I didn't have a sax on this record. Maybe in my oh, like. Maybe, maybe when I'm going, yeah, going through a bit more of an experimental phase. <laughs> so musically, I'm chuffed. We are finally getting um, the full debut album experience. Um, I always knew we had a lot to look forward to. Already sounding phenomenal. Uh, before we talk about the songs and all the music, it's been a while in the making, which is fine. You can't rush out. Um, mm-hmm. But what's it been like giving birth to your debut album? Uh, it has been a mixture of feelings, exactly the same way I imagine birth would actually feel. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, it has, it's been the most liberating process I've ever had in music so far. So, you know, I've really been able to explore every corner of my personality and and put that into a body of work, you know, and and think and just think a little bit more seriously and deeply about like how I want to be represented, you know, and and find I ha- there's like 11 songs on the album and I feel like I've successfully found a way of putting in every different part of my personality in there. You know, and and I haven't been shy of that. I think like a lot of people, um, when they make albums, it feels like maybe a concept album or it maybe feels like a body of work that's really cohesive. Whereas my debut album is a little bit of a mixed bag. And yeah. the the only cohesive thread is me. Like I am the cohesive thread, like and everything feels like it's coming from a really um, special and meaningful place. But I've really been able to tap into, you know, um, the the fourteen year old that loved Avril Lavigne, you know, the the twenty year old that discovered Joni Mitchell, 
the 24-year-old that listened to the Black Keys for the first time, you know, and in, so I've been able to really kind of like dip in to those parts of my life and and bring it together in one. So um, it does feel incredibly liberating and and uh, important to me. Um, but then on the flip side of that, it has also come with a hell of a lot of self-doubt you know, and yeah. and anxiety because I feel I feel like I've put myself out there creatively in in a very very vulnerable way, you know. And I've always taken a lot of pride on being very open and vulnerable in music and when I'm speaking to other people. But there's something about this record and making a record that I know that my whole body and soul has gone into it. And yeah. I, um, people are going to have opinions. People are going to want to have to say things, and and I'm just like, oh my god, like, am I ready for that? You know, do I care? Yeah, like, <laughs> do do I do I care about other people's opinions? You know, and and I've come across a lot of big questions. Not so much when I made it. When I made it, I was just having a great time. But when it was finished, and I had to start thinking about the way I wanted to release it and what was going to be singles, and when you start getting into the nitty gritty of everything, that's when you start um, questioning it. Yeah, when it's piecing together and you're like, labelling it up, ready to share with the world. Yeah, suddenly I really- guess you're like, how's this going to go down then? It is, and I, I spoke to a friend recently, um, Wayne, who mastered the album. And he said to me to re- always remember that my inner voice is a feeling and not a fact. And I thought that was really incredible advice to hear at the time because, you know, everybody's inner voice tells them things that maybe they don't necessarily want to hear or things that aren't even true. You know, when you are anxious about something or stressed about something, your brain makes things up and suddenly I'm, I'm looking at myself in a whole new light you know I feel like by making this album I've almost become more human than what I was before yeah more realistic more real I feel feel like your songs have always been um a great example really of how you kind of open up and they're so raw and so personal and the first time we spoke uh we talked a little bit about what it was like to to be so open in your music but you're right in that there's always been so many different shades of your sound um and it's great to to sort of hear at least so far what has been released both sides of that coin um Mm. coming into the mix but what was it like it's kind of tying them together in some kind of like cohesive order did you have any kind of Mm. um tracks you were like i don't know if i can squeeze that one in or is that is that not gonna go what was it always this is my story i'm gonna tell my story yeah, do you know what? It was it was like that. It was this is my story, this is it. Because I didn't um I didn't do the thing of like writing 40 songs and then picking from those 40 songs. I just wrote until I felt like I'd written it. Yeah. Like I just said to myself, okay, I've got eleven songs. They all say something important, they're going on the album, you know. And I think there was actually one song on the record called A Secret Second, which um was probably one of the last ones I wrote. And I didn't really know what to do with it because it's just this, like, basically a live recording of me and acoustic guitar. And I was like, does this belong on the album? You know, I'm amongst all of, like, these new sounds and and things. And the guy who I work with on this record, Matt, he said, it absolutely does belong on this album because we haven't got a song like this yet. 
And I was like, oh, yeah, yes, okay, good. good angle. Good advice. So, um, so yeah, I basically just wrote and stopped writing when I felt like I had it, um, you know, which is one way of doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's the best way of doing it. So looking back, um, obviously, you've got a decent back catalogue looking backwards as well. Um, if you were starting this whole process again, where you are now, um, what piece of advice would you give someone putting together their debut album for the first time at the very beginning? What you're learning in the process? I would say um, to write with no intention at all. Just see what comes out. Bleed out and yeah exactly don't overanalyze it yet you know some songs need a little bit of overanalyzing and perfecting but there are also some songs that just exist so perfectly the way you wrote it the first time so yeah it's i'd just say right even if you feel like it's not going anywhere and record every single piece idea you have um you know and just i guess at the very beginning don't take yourself too seriously or even just don't take yourself too seriously at all. <laughs> I tend to live by that rule, as I'm sure you can tell. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to live. Exactly. Absolutely. Uh, so there's so much going on in this album so far, even just the tracks we've heard. Um, I've loved your videos on, on Instagram of you kind of like deconstructing the songs and showing us what, what each what is in each one. Um, there's a lot of different instruments and stuff. Did you play all of them yourself? Did you get people involved? Mm-hmm. I did not play all of them on my own, no. Um, I can take credit for being a great songwriter, but I am not a multi-instrumentalist. <laughs> oh, I thought you had a cello um, back there. And a, a, I don't know, no. I, <laughs> on this, uh, this record was, this record was a massive learning process for me because I was in a situation for the first time where I had complete creative control and... I learned a lot during the process of this album. And one of the things that I specified before I went into the studios with Matt was that whether or not I am playing that instrument, I want to make the final decision. Like that's just the bottom line. And I played the guitars and I played a piano and one track right at the end. And um, I obviously sang on everything and I wrote it all, but the actual parts itself like the piano the bass there's some other guitar parts so there's like synth parts string parts like all of those things I didn't personally play but you know I was I was in there with the in the room when it happened you know to be able to communicate yeah maybe not like that maybe a little bit more like this and um it was amazing because I'd never been in that position before yeah it's such a dream to be like kind of adding in things like I heard a cello in one of your tracks and things um, mm, to sort of add all those in, different layers. It was insane. Like, and everything I do is is so led by emotion that I am able to communicate how I want something to feel or, you know, I want, for example, I want this, uh, this keyboard sound, but I'm hearing it more like a siren and I'm hearing it maybe with a little bit of chorus and I'm hearing it wobble a little bit and I'm hearing it go, you know, and yeah, so I, I can articulate what I want to hear, but, um, but yeah, it doesn't always mean I can actually get down and, and do it. Um, <laughs> but, but, but that's, um, but that's, but that's fine. Do you know what I mean? There's plenty of time to, to learn those things and, and plenty of time to, to have fun with those things, which is what I'm doing now. You know, ever since I made that album, I've been head down learning the, the piano. 
Oh, wow. I was going to ask you about a piano because there's been a couple mm. of videos um, into your piano ballad era. Uh, yes. That's, that's a relatively new thing. I can't recall hearing too much piano in your previous stuff. No, yeah, the piano is new. So um, when I was at school, I did a couple of piano lessons, but I didn't really enjoy it. So I moved on and um, I went to the, the guitar instead. Um, but when I was making this album with Matt, he had a gorgeous piano in the studio. And um, there is a song specifically right at the end of the album called Bigger Than You, um, which I've written on on my little MIDI keyboard that you can see behind me back here. Oh, yeah, um, on the wall. And I'd like, I'd plugged it all in and I was playing around with like logic and plugins for the first time. And I was, I'd, I'd know enough about chords to figure out what I should be doing on the keyboard. Do you know what I mean? So I'm not a virtuoso, but I can figure out the chords. So I did all those things and I, I did this little MIDI demo and I took it over to Matt's house and said, look, this song is really important to me and I want it to be the last song of the album, but I, I don't know if I can play the piano well enough. And he actually gave me some of the best producing advice that anyone's ever given me. And he said to me, this song will not make sense if it's not you playing it. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, it needs to be it, raw. It needs to be raw. It's a very clear message for the end of the album. It's a very painful, beautiful song. And you need to play this, whether or not this takes us a million hours or not, you know. <laughs> um, and that was actually my first experience of playing a real piano and recording it at the same time and it was a very grueling night I'm not gonna lie it took yeah. <laughs> it took hours and even when I listen to it now I can hear myself fumble and I can hear myself like <laughs> I, can, I can hear it happening but for the for where it sits on the album and what the song represents it makes total sense to not hide the imperfections um, but since that moment, I've just become obsessed. I bought myself a secondhand piano, got it in the house, and it's now like my go-to at the moment to go sit down and just like be creative for a minute. And I've I've learned so much. It's honestly, I've, I recommend every single person in the world to go and get yourself like a secondhand or free piano. Like they're going free all the time. Yeah. If you have the space and have a piano and then, I mean, who doesn't yeah. want a piano at a party when you go? I mean, everyone wants to go. Great balls of fire or something like that. Um, exactly. Gets the mood going anyway. It does. Bit of razzle-dazzle. <laughs> I like it. Fantastic. Um, so the tracks we've heard so far, um, Spinning Plates, I absolutely loved when it came out, the first track off the album. Um as with a lot of your music and a lot of the people I've spoken to who know you um, musically as well, it's always... Um, you have a great way of capturing a, a kind of emotion we've all sort of feeling or we all sort of felt and opening up your emotions to other people. What was it like putting Spinning Plates together and what sort of thing mm. do you want to be sharing in that song? Um, Spinning Plates was a very, very fun song to write. So I ironically wrote this in the first big old fat lockdown, the huge one. Oh, really? Yeah. You okay. know, the one which we've probably all got a little bit of PTSD over today. Yeah, definitely. Um, yes. yeah. Uh, I wrote it in that time and it was the first time for me to sit down and kind of reevaluate what I wanted in life um, again, which is what everybody else did. And I kind of saw myself feeling not particularly happy with the way that 
I was feeling, I felt like um, I'd, I'd been living with this big pressure on my shoulders to sort of make a lot of people around me feel happy and not really looking after myself. Yeah. So when I was writing that song, I don't think I necessarily realised what I was writing when I did it. And I remember just being at home, like, I need to find a way out and just going over and over. And Carolina was in the house and I said, oh, I've, you know, I've got, I'm writing on this song. She was like, this sounds great. And then we ended up actually sitting down together and writing this song together. Oh, yes. um, cool. And, and it was really, really cool. Like she's always been dipping in and out with me sing like songwriting. Do you know I mean, she's always got her ear out listening or being like, what if you try this in, in like this lyric? Cause she's a brilliant writer herself and she's so creative. So whenever she brings an idea, it's always actually really good. Like some of like there's a, one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite, yeah, yeah. One of my favorite lyrics on the album is because she gave me it. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. Like, Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. She's so good at it. And, um, and we were just there and we were just going and going. And it was one of those songs that just like came out and we went into the, <laughs> went upstairs to go in the bathroom and we were actually in the shower and we kept on writing this song <laughs> whilst we were washing our hair. We were just like, yeah, yeah. And then before we knew it, we just had this song and um, and we were like, that was really cool. And um, she said to me, and more advice that she gave to me that was really important was by the time it gets to this chorus, you have to really shout this. Because yes. you this song is not going to make sense if you don't shout it, you know. And shouting in music wasn't necessarily something that I'd experienced. In actual fact, it's advice that I've been told not to do. In oh, my okay. previous yeah. previous working relationship. Um, so when it came to this and she was like, no, you need to shout this song. You need to let people know that you need to find a way out of something and how you feel about this situation. So um yeah, it was it was really, it was really freeing. And that song always felt really, really fun to me. And I always knew in my head, like, this is the first song that people are gonna hear because it's like unapologetically me front and center shouting at you in a, in a melodic way it's a good shout yeah it's not axel rose it's there's yeah, a nice yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, like a, there's like a nice shout to it but i was it felt really important for me to be like i haven't released music for nearly four years and i want this to be i want this to be my return really defiant and you know just strong and you found your way out and here it is i did i did well Thank done <laughs> i love spinning plates it's great um also, another track off the album, the new single we have with us um, at the moment. I'm loving Not Good Enough, um, mm. but I was surprised hearing it. And I know you you open up emotionally about your your uh, your life and your songs and stuff, but I always had you down as a strong, confident person. Um, yeah. But hearing it was interesting because there's a lot of insecurities yeah. we all feel um, kind yeah. of coming out in that track. Yeah, it was... Um... I mean, surprising for you, but also surprising for me. You know, um, I feel like I've been holding it together for maybe the past decade. I've been able to always brush things off really quickly. I've been able to just move on and not, well, not take in very deeply what people say to me. But it turns out that by the time I came to write this song, my body was ready for a purge you know yeah. my my i my central nervous system was on the edge 
um was <laughs> just kind of like look you've been through you've been through and now it's time to assess that you know I think um by the time it came to not good enough I was I was you know I wouldn't say I was depressed but I would say I was pretty anxious I was pretty heartbroken about this working relationship that I had for a number of years with a producer that had ended really really badly mm. and the the message behind the song is well the context behind the song is that when I went over to his house to have this conversation with him um, about parting ways which took me a hell of a lot of courage because I'm not a confrontational person yeah and difficult to do that very difficult and also there was a part of him which scared me there was definitely a power problem happening the working relationship was not as healthy as I once thought it was so Mm. there was a lot of there was a lot there to unpack and I'm still unpacking it today um and rather than him take any accountability for the things he said or did across the time that we worked together he you know, I just said to him, look, you undermined me all the time. You always make me feel like I'm just not good enough to do this. And he was like, well, you're not good enough. And, <sighs> and it was really, it, it, it hurts you. It hurt. Like, <laughs> because like, because I, at one point in my life, I really loved this man and I really respected him and thought that we were building something really beautiful. So then to be told at the very last hurdle, you know, well, you're not good enough. I was like, oh, okay. And in the moment I had all this adrenaline. So I was just like, you're wrong. And I left the room, you know, and I felt really powerful that I'd stuck up to this man. I was like, yes, this is my time. But then in the months and years that followed, I didn't ever address it properly. You know, I, I just finished that thing with this man and I walked out the door and thought that was the end of it, but that's, it's not the end. It's not the end because those back things that mind, happen. It sort yeah, of stays it is. There. It is. It's in the back of your mind. It's in your central nervous system. You're getting a little bit panicky. You don't really know why, you know. And and I've been on a really interesting journey with learning where my boundaries are, you know, and and learning about what my anxiety is, what panics me, what should I do when this happens, you know, and just really basically, I went to therapy and I just I just figured. Well, I am still figuring out all those things, you know? Um, so when I hear this song, it is incredibly vulnerable, but I think it was such an important song for me to write, to just kind of think like I had that moment back there of, well, is he right? Am I good enough for this? And I think you have to go through, you have to go through the motions and you have to ask yourself these things. And it wasn't pretty. It was really ugly you know, but um, I feel like I'm definitely on the other side of that now. And I'm seeing the power in that song rather than how much it hurt me at the time. Yeah. Well, from somebody who's followed your music from way back, I can tell you, you certainly are good enough and it sounded better than ever. I hope he Thank you. is playing it loud and proud in his own kitchen and thinking, damn, I was wrong. You know what I mean? And yeah, I, totally I, I, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> You don't need. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I don't. Fantastic. I love the new tracks. The new album um, will be out soon. Have you got a release date for it yet? A Modern Rage? Yes, the 6th of October. Ah, excellent. 6th of October. So I think it was last Wednesday or the, or the Wednesday before was like the big announcement day. You know, like Not Good Enough came out. The vinyl pre-order went live. 
the tour tickets went live and yeah, the fact that the album is here and it's coming out on the sixth. So all dropped about at that. the same time. There was a lot to digest in the same post, I must admit. I booked my tickets. I can't wait to see you in London. Uh, where can we see Charlotte Carpenter um, performing live? Will you be um, playing the piano live as well? Um, you know, I haven't figured it out yet. Okay, I yeah. I figured it's it out. Big They're big it is, to carry. I, I, well, yeah. <laughs> I am trying to figure out a way of, because they are going to be band shows, and initially it was going to be like full band, the full thing, but... In all honesty, it's looking pretty damn expensive. Well, yeah. Um, so I might have to slightly rein back that full band concept, but I am taking a drummer at least because um, I want to just create my own version of the White Stripes. Oh my god! Yeah, what <laughs> um, a great idea. But the tour Mix dates around. Yeah, the tour dates is going to be a mixture of a roar and a fuller sound. So there's kind of going to be something in there for everybody. Um, and I'm going to be in Brighton, Cambridge. Leicester, Leeds, Manchester, Winchester, and London. All over. Uh, yep, I'll be there, London, front and centre. Um, looking forward to the crowd surfing and everything's going to happen, right? Good. I hope so. I'm really looking forward to playing the Lexington. That's obviously the last date on the tour. Playing in London is always a bit scary because you don't know if 10 people are going to be there or 100 people are going to be there. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You don't know. Yeah, you never Anything know. Could happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. Brilliant. Can't wait to see you there and see some of these new songs as well. Um, on the new album, have you got any little teasers for us? What's still to come? There's so many different shades and just the two songs we've had. What else we got? I to know. Do? Well, the next single comes out on, let me look at my diary. Hang on. The 11th of August. <gasps> so Wonderful. The, the next single is only less than four weeks away. Um, and this is one of my personal favourites to play. It's really fun. This is the side of me that, you know, this, yeah, this is the side of me that loves the Black Keys and loves Jack White and wants to be in the White Stripes. Yes. Who, who doesn't? I think we so, all played Seven yeah. Nation Army to death when it came out. Yes. And I still do. And every time it still comes on, I get like shivers because how good this song is. So, yeah, this is like my, my, uh, my version of that. Brilliant. Can't wait to hear it. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining us. Um, love to Olive. Uh, she seems to have walked off now. We didn't yeah, ask her enough questions. Yeah, yeah. I don't know where she is. <laughs> she's got to find a mate. Lovely to chat to you. Um, and we'll see you in Lexington. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Stu. You've been listening to the Strictly Speaking podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find more at stuartpink.com. Plus, if you really want to be a darling, you could drop him a follow on social media. He's on all the platforms with the same username, at Stu Pink. Thanks for listening. Oh, and don't forget to subscribe and share it with your friends. Thanks. Come back soon. Did you hear Thank my you. cat in the background, though? She was just playing with something. Oh, really? <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing, Olive? <laughs> what is that? Do, I do not know what she's got. Hang on. No. You can't play with that. <laughs> <laughs> she has somehow found Drummer. a deconstructed um, coat hanger, clothes hanger. Oh, I thought it was a drumstick. I thought we had a little Roger Taylor made of fur. No, no. If only. Yeah, but it's got these really sharp things in. Oof. So, yeah. Oof. Do you know what you're doing there, Olive? A little risky. A little risky. <laughs> risky.
It's a rock and roll <laughs> cat, that one. This podcast was recorded and brought to you by Mungalow Fish. For more information on how Mungalow Fish can help empower you to make your creative dreams a reality, visit mungalowfish.com.